with her at the wedding of Diana to Prince Charles. Her train was so long that she needed several people to carry it. She was in great sorrow. But now, picture the Lord God on his throne. He too is wearing a white robe with a train. But the train is so large that it fills the whole temple. Measurements of the temple are not given, but the temple would have been enormous. You can imagine that this will have been quite a beautiful and wonderful picture. Everything is dominated by the presence of God, by His majesty. And that's only a description of God on His throne. Now think about all that He stands before. He is the almighty creator of the whole universe. He is the one who put the billions upon billions of stars in the sky and who made them behave in accordance with preordained law. Everything here on earth also go in accordance with the laws that God has set. He made the seasons. He causes the sun to shine, the rain to fall. In creation, everything is given its own special place. It's all God's doing. He is the Almighty God who is full of splendor and majesty. And God created everything so that His creation would be strong in accordance with the rules that He made them. He made them free for use. Good for use, but made them free. And that free corresponds to the fact that God has made its seasons. To make old food, He cannot but use some thorn bush. The same thing is true of the animal world. Certain time of monkey, he uses another monkey of the same type. And the whale fish brings forth a whale fish. And the water will freeze at a certain temperature. Wood will burn when you put a flame to it. Everything that God made responds in exactly the way that he programmed. to respond in accordance to the will of God to the laws that the Lord God has set forth for him. That is true of mankind as well. In other words, God created the possibility for man to deviate from his law from the preordained rules that he ordered. He gave man a choice. He did not want automatic obedience to his law. He wanted man to respond to him of his own free will so that man would glorify his name forever and ever. And sadly, man made the wrong choice. Thus made God the author of sin. And man brought sin upon himself. And note well that answer 9 of the catechism also completely states it. that when Adam and Eve sinned, and that was an accident, it was an aberration. In other words, that it was nothing more than a temporary lapse of judgment on 
that God wants me to get something foolish. My brothers and sisters, that's not the way it was. When Adam and Eve sinned, they knew exactly what they were doing. And when the serpent spoke to Adam and Eve, he knew exactly who he was. The enemy of God. They also knew that whatever the serpent said to them went totally against what God had said to them. God had said to them that if you are disobedient, you will die. said to Adam and Eve in paradise that they 
that if they eat of the tree of good and evil, they will die. We have to remain true to his word. Even though after they fall into sin, they were no longer capable of keeping the law, God still had to maintain and to maintain his right. So he has to punish our sins to be just in judgment. It's one thing that people have difficulty with, but it is punished with the wrath of God. There's already so much misery in this world. Do we now also have to live under the threat of the punishment of God? Well, brothers and sisters, many religions will play up God's punishment. Whenever there is some calamity here on earth, some religious group will pipe up and say, this happened because of God's judgment, because of his punishment. Yes, you hear people say that, for example, of 9-11 disasters, of hurricanes, earthquakes. These things happen, so they say, because of the decadent lifestyle of the people of these nations. Does God come to us with his laws full of threats? Is that, for example, how we ought to do our work of evangelism, that we should tell people to repent or else God will send all kinds of calamities upon them? Do we then scare them into heaven? It is true that all the misery on earth came about because of sin. also punishes sin. Make no mistake about it. There is no doubt about it. The Lord God, however, comes to us with his gospel first. Gospel means good news, great news. God is not eager to destroy as we have it and threaten us with his wrath. No, he wants reconciliation and peace. He reveals himself first of all through his son, Jesus visited his wrath upon him back. This is what God wants to do. Make no mistake about it. In this world, we are taught and many make the mistake that it is communism. For that reason, there are all kinds of laws and regulations that people apply. You are responsible for your own behavior. And if you transgress the law, tells us something that could never have come up in the heart of man. The Bible tells us that the Lord has visited his wrath, not upon you or me, but upon his own son. It is impossible for you and me to bear God's wrath, and you don't have to. God has found a remedy through his son. Brothers, that contradicted 
log out first. No books, this is just for fun. You don't want to do those things in Psalm 103. He made me in his love. The Lord is slow to anger. He will not let his wrath forever linger. Has that ever occurred to you? That God does not immediately execute his judgment? God's intention to punish as soon as he can, but to convince the people to repent. For that reason, he first comes to them with his love. That is why he also establishes a covenant. As you heard this morning as well, the covenant is a relationship of love. A relationship of love that he establishes with his leaders and their seed. established this relationship changes that little child be a son of mine and when he introduced the ten words of the covenant he said he would not come and he does not come with a threat first by stating that if they will not keep them that he will reject them and that he will visit his wrath upon them no he begins by stating that he is a loving God in heaven who has rescued his people from their enemies comes to them by stating that he loves them and that he does not want them to come to harm and he is always true to his love but wait now for please consider who does the punishing it's our heavenly father it's the same God who was revealed to us first in the Lord's day one of the Heidelberg catechism namely as a God, as the Almighty God who has revealed Himself through His Son Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for our sins. Can you imagine if God would have left this punishment up to a disinterested bystander? Let's say He programmed the perfect computer in order to do that. And He would say to the computer, How should I punish those people on earth who result in their death? Or suppose he would get a jury of angels to make a judgment. And he would ask them the same question. Would you not recommend that our Father in heaven do the same? What do you think your child who really needs to be punished will say to you? Say to you, would he or she want somebody else to mete out the punishment? Or would he want his father and mother, who he knows loves them, would he want them to do that? Of course, that child would choose the parents, not some disinterested party. The word punishment and wrath, they sound harsh in our thinking. We would rather be quickly done with it and think about God's mercy. Can you imagine if God were to do that? Suppose he were to say to us, I can see that you're not able to keep my laws, and so I'm going to lower my standards for the criminal. That sounds very loving and kind, doesn't it? But what would you say about a wife who would say to her adulterous husband, okay, I know it's very difficult for you to stay away from other women, 
So I'm going to lower my stance a little bit and give you permission to play around with other women whenever you feel like it. I say, well, I made a mistake. That has nothing to do with love anymore. How can you be satisfied with shared love? of love with us. That means that he wants all of us. And that is why he sent his son in the flesh so that that covenant relationship could be maintained. We read together from Psalm 110. And there we also read about the majesty of God. But it speaks there about the son of God. It's the inspired author. David is speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed in the New Testament as the priest in the order of Melchizedek. He is the only high priest. He is the only one who was able to bring God and man together. And he is that priest forever and ever. For he is the one who won the battle against the evil one. He sacrificed himself. sin against God's majesty all the time, and the Lord Jesus Christ is able to restore us. And through faith, God makes it possible for us to be restored so that we can share in his wonderful majesty. And it is that message of salvation that has to go out to all those who want to listen. We have to speak to others about God's great love for all those who put their trust in that loving God. And then we do not speak about God's wrath in the first place. That certainly wouldn't motivate you to serve God or to worship Him. What then do we speak about? We speak to them about the great love of God shown on the cross. Where Elizabeth was wrapped upon His Son. despise what God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ. In this world, we like to play off mercy and justice. We all play games. But we may not do that with regard to justice. God is both just and merciful. He is a just God, and at the same time, He is a merciful God. 